Welcome to the Report Card with Nat Malkus, the education policy podcast from the American Enterprise Institute. Now, it's a truism to say that not all students need or want the same kind of education, but it's often easier to talk about diversifying educational options to meet students' needs than to actually, well, diversify educational options. That's not a problem in career and technical education. Done well, career and technical education, better known as CTE, provides articulated pathways to post-secondary education and high-demand, high-wage careers within specified career clusters. There's a lot to like about CTE. It offers career-focused training. It's popular with students and families, and it's drawn increased attention from policymakers and researchers over the past years. But there's still much to be known about it in terms of its impacts on post-K-12 outcomes, and especially how those outcomes differ across the career clusters that fall under the CTE umbrella. Here to discuss the quality and variety of CTE programs is Walt Ecton and Sean Doherty. Walt is a visiting assistant professor of education policy at the University of Pennsylvania's Graduate School of Education, where he also researches non-traditional pathways through education, specifically focusing in CTE. And Sean Doherty, is an assistant professor of public policy and education at Vanderbilt University's Peabody College and a renowned expert on CTE. He's also the faculty advisor to the Strategic Data Project at the Center for Education Policy Research at Harvard University. Walt and Sean recently published a paper on CTE outcomes titled Heterogeneity in High School, Career, and Technical Education Outcomes. Walt, Sean, welcome to the report card. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Nat. It's nice to be here. So before we even dig into the report, let's lay a little foundation. Walt, what exactly is career and technical education? Absolutely. So career and technical education broadly defined our uh, coursework and programs and training that are really designed to set students up with specific skills uh, that can prepare them for success in the workforce. Uh, so that might be, if you think back to uh, when I was in high school, uh, there was kind of the traditional shop classes where you're learning how to use your hands with things like construction and manufacturing, um, also cosmetology, nursing. I, over the years, this has also evolved to be um, to have a lot of really advanced work as well and things like um, advanced manufacturing, robotics, IT. So really setting students up for, uh, for those types of skills that they need in the career. That might also be uh, something that you need a college degree for or some sort of a post-secondary training for. So a lot of CT takes place at community colleges, at technical colleges, also certainly at high schools as well, but really uh, with the very explicit end goal of, of setting students up for success in a particular career path. Now, Sean, when a lot of people hear this, they're going to think, oh, yeah, vocational education. I remember that when I was in high school in the 90s or whenever. But there's a there's a difference, right? There's been an evolution between what we thought of maybe for older listeners when we were younger than our current selves about what vocational education is and what we mean when we say CTE. Can you sketch out that evolution for us? Certainly. So, so in the 1980s, there, there was uh, the, the Carl D. Perkins Act was first, first passed as a way to expand federal investment uh, in, in what was still called uh, vocational education, as you note. But, but the idea was, was that there was an understanding 
that CTE was evolving in ways that, that reflected the change in the, the broader economy. So as the economy has become more inclusive and, and reliant on information technology infrastructure on, on the use of, of computing and the automating of different processes, uh, the, the, the need to respond on the training side has also shifted. And, and so uh, as, as Walt has, has noted, one of the key uh, changes has, has been the expansion of infor information technology programs, uh, the shifting from a lot of traditional manufacturing to advanced manufacturing and the use of computer automated systems to assist in that. Uh, and, and, and then the diversification of health service pathways and employment has really driven a lot of innovation on, on that side. And, and so I'd, I'd say when we think about career and technical education, it is most of what you would consider historically as, as being vocational education, the skilled trades, automotive technology, cosmetology, culinary arts, they're all still there. Some of what that looks like in particular has, has shifted. Uh, and, and then there's been the addition and diversification of these other pathways, all under the, uh, under the moniker of CTE. So one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on particularly is because you guys broke CTE out by these different career clusters. Because, you know, CTE is often talked about by policymakers and folks as, well, we're going to do more CTE. But it really takes a lot of different subgroups, different, um, well, career clusters that are going to look different from one track to the other. So as we get into this, tell me a bit about your report setup and what did you set out to answer uh, in this new report? Walt? Sure. So as you mentioned, and as Sean mentioned, there's a lot of different components to CT and there's a lot of different types of CT that's happening. I think certainly the old vocational programs are, are certainly still there. And, and I'll, I'll take a point of personal privilege. My, my grandfather was a farmer. A lot of folks in my family are, um, are working at car manufacturers. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of honor in those professions and those are professions that we still need to train people for in today's economy. That being said, there's those are very different uh, than things like uh, like advanced IT um, and advanced robotics engineering. Um, and I think that something that we were both thinking about a lot as we were looking at the CT literature was that folks were talking both in the policy space and the research space about CT as if it were one program. Should we expand CT? Should we spend more money on CT? How should we me measure CT? Um, but really what we looked at here was what are the differences within CT? Uh, and you can imagine one of the real challenges with studying CT and thinking about it from a policy perspective is that uh, it might be difficult to figure out what exactly is the, the right outcome that we should be measuring for CT. Um, it's not just high school graduation. It, it, you can imagine that maybe post-secondary attendance might be a positive outcome, but it might also be earnings uh, when you're starting a job. It might also be getting a well-paying job. Uh, and so what we wanted to do was to break up for these different career clusters that students enter into in high school, what are the different paths that CT might help set them on? And how can we measure CT success, both in terms of post-secondary education, employment, earnings? Um, but are there differences in these different fields? Because certainly you would imagine, and, and our hypothesis was that uh, students who were, uh, who were taking classes in hospitality might be set on a different path uh, than folks who were taking courses um, in healthcare, for example. So we really wanted to explore what were the different outcomes for students in these different fields. So when you guys undertook this study, it seems to me the locality, the place you get the data from really kind of matters, probably because the way CTE is provided differs. 
in one state to another, you might have just a different uh, economy that's going to privilege different kinds of jobs. So you might also think, well, we need to get the outcomes data that's linked to the CTE course taking. So where did you get the data for this study? And uh, how did you set it up to enable you to answer the questions that you wanted to get after? John? So the data, the data for our study come from the state of Massachusetts, and, and this grows out of what is now a 10 plus year partnership that started when I was a graduate student, um, but by way of connections that my advisors were able to make for, for me with the Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. But the, the state has a real interest in understanding how their longstanding uh, career and technical education programming impacts its student outcomes. Uh, and, and they maintain databases that track students through you know, grade school, through high school graduation. Uh, they partner with the National Student Clearinghouse to, to understand kind of whether and where students enroll in post-secondary education and training. Uh, and, and then they've got new partnerships with the Department of Labor in the state uh, to connect to unemployment insurance records to be able to look at employment outcomes. And, and, and so really this has grown out of a, a multi-year partnership where we try to answer questions that the state wants answered, uh, but also that you know policymakers and academics nationwide would like to answer, and, and we're able to take a deep dive in Massachusetts uh, to create you know an in-depth case study. Uh, though, as you know, uh, what the economy looks like in Massachusetts is quite different than what it looks like in, in Tennessee, where I now sit. Uh, or what it looks like in, in Michigan, Nebraska, or California. And, and, and so similar sorts of work situated in those contexts would really be advantageous for, for local and, and state policymakers to get the right answers about the impact and efficacy of their programming uh, for, for student outcomes. So one last question before I finally get to the results of your study, but just from a, from a gut level, I, I got to think that there are some states that really have their CTE game on, and there are other states that might have a ways to go before they're really expected to be uh, playing at the same level as some of the, the best states in terms of CTE. Sean, where would you put Massachusetts in that pecking order? I, I would say Massachusetts has been doing CTE as long as any state, uh, as one of the, the first colonies, it's been a big part of the economy and the educational structure. And, and I'd say I would put them near the top in terms of quality based in terms of the, the, re the requirements they have and the regulations and partnerships they put in place to ensure a real rich depth of experience. That said, in terms of student participation, it has one of the lower rates of, of, of states across the country. Uh, so to put it in, in contrast, about 20% of high school students in Massachusetts uh, participate in, in three or more aligned courses while in high school um, and contrast that with Tennessee where, where the rate is roughly double that or in Michigan uh, also about, uh, about twice that. So real high quality, but, but lower utilization, let's say than other states. Great, so high quality, relatively low volume. So Walt, what did you guys find? Yeah, well, so we found like you would expect and like we, we thought we would find that uh, that there really were some pretty strong differences based on these different career clusters in student outcomes. So uh, on the main, we looked at employment outcomes and we looked at education outcomes at sort of the two uh, large dimensions. And in some of these career clusters, we really found that on both dimensions, CTE students performed uh, incredibly well. So one example that I'll give you is healthcare. Uh, so for students who were concentrating in healthcare, um, we found that they were actually uh, even more likely to attend college than we might otherwise expect based on everything else that we knew about them. 
Um, and in particular, students in healthcare were much more likely to go to a two-year college uh, than we might otherwise expect, uh, which makes sense if you think about it, because healthcare is one of these career clusters where many students are in nursing or allied health programs uh, that have a very natural progression into, uh, into programs that exist at community colleges. So you can imagine in fields like that, uh, for example, or for IT, uh, where there are really clear pathways for students into post-secondary education, um, we found really positive returns uh, when we look at, at post-secondary outcomes. Uh, when you look at, uh, at some of the more traditional trades, uh, we found some slightly negative returns in terms of college going. So in transportation, construction, for example, students were slightly less likely to attend college than you might otherwise expect. But on the other hand, they earned quite a bit more uh, th than you would expect, at least during the early years of their career post high school. So uh, it, for, up for the first, uh, the first seven years after high school, construction students cumulatively earned uh, about $45,000 more than we might otherwise expect uh, for non-concentrators. So really starting off their career on a pretty positive footing, um, even if they were less likely to go to college. Uh, so so you can imagine some real trade-offs uh, that students are making there. Other clusters we found really somewhere somewhere in the middle uh, where there might be a slight increase in earnings, uh, but also uh, maybe a slight decrease or about the same amount of a likelihood of attending college as well. But uh, really vastly different, uh, different outcomes and trajectories for students for some of the more new CT clusters compared to some of the vocational clusters. But again, some trade-offs involved with both. So there's trade-offs. Not everybody goes to college at higher rates and makes more money in their first few years out of school. That sort of makes sense. Did your results show that for most career clusters, there's some advantage on one spectrum or the other? Or were there some that didn't really show much returns of any kind? Yeah, so the the one area where we saw, I think, the the less compel least compelling evidence um, of some benefits uh, was in, in a cluster called arts and communication, um, which was a bit is a bit more more nebulous. You can imagine there's not necessarily a very direct pathway into um, into post secondary education. Now, I, I want to be clear that this doesn't include the fine arts. So this doesn't include uh, music and band and things along those lines. This is more uh, visual arts and communications as well. So. We didn't necessarily find really positive results there, not negative results either. It wasn't like students who were in those clusters were, were less likely to, much less likely to attend college or earning much less. But you can imagine where we, I think something that we're thinking a lot about is, you know, if we're putting these types of courses in a high school curriculum, and if we're encouraging students to take career and technical education, we want to make sure that, that those are really setting students up for discrete skills that are actually uh, valued in the workforce and that are setting them up for uh, post-secondary education. And so that's something that I think that we're thinking about as we're, we're talking to folks is making sure that, that the clusters are really setting students up, at, at least in some way, for those, uh, for those pathways afterwards. Now, Sean, it, it seems to me that it must depend on actually how you do this CTE. So you can do CTE through your traditional high school, or you can have dedicated CTE schools. There's a number of ways to do this. What's the way that Massachusetts has typically rolled this out, and how does that sit vis-a-vis -vis CTE in most other states? So Massachusetts has two different models of CTE delivery. One, one is a CTE-dedicated high school. Uh, these schools are, are regional, so they, they serve a set of surrounding towns that are geographically close by, um, and students can apply to attend those schools. Now, some of them are 
so popular that they have a, a process by which they admit students uh, in, in a competitive way to, to you know, fill, fill the seats because there's more interest than they can accommodate. Um, and, and some of those schools you know, en enroll students from their sending towns, but, but are not oversubscribed. And, and that accounts for about half of CTE participants in, in the state. And then the other half participate in, in articulated pathways within their comprehensive high school. Uh, and, and so they take elective coursework in, in ways that, that occur sort of you know, th throughout their typical academic day. A big important difference, I think, is at the CTE dedicated schools, the courses that are offered as part of the core academic requirements for, for high school graduation are offered alongside the technical education courses in, in ways that can be you know, more seamlessly integrated. You can have the CTE teachers working with the math and, and English language arts teachers in, in ways to create a, aligned experiences that's less possible in a comprehensive high school setting uh, where, where the English language arts teacher doesn't necessarily know who's taking information technology coursework as part of their elective coursework. Now, how that compares to the rest of the nation, um, taking CTE courses in a comprehensive high school setting is, is the most common nationally. Uh, going to a CTE dedicated high school is the least common nationally. The, the most common model outside of a comprehensive high school is to go to a regional technical center uh, like the like in Pennsylvania, where, where I used to work as a high school teacher and assistant principal, we have, our students spent half the day at our comprehensive high school, and then they went the other half of the day to this to the technical center to, to do the the you know more intensive focused work on on their CTE area, and and so comprehensive high schools and these part time technical centers shared across multiple school districts or countywide are the most common nationwide. Um, and, and that's about half of the, you know, the comprehensive high school experience is about half of the students in Massachusetts. And then the other half are at these CTE dedicated high schools that, that in, in structure are, are much more intensive and quite different than, than sort of the, the norm nationally. And did you see different patterns in Massachusetts by the, the source of the CTE concentration classes? We did not see, see big differences depending on where students took their courses. Um, and, and this is especially important, we think, from our study because it, it highlights how some of the statewide requirements for, for programs to get certified as meeting the state guidelines within a particular CTE program of study or cluster, those state requirements seem to ensure that there, there's a high degree of quality and intensivity occurring regardless of whether a student is at a, at a CTE dedicated high school or, or taking a, a concentration in their comprehensive high school. There, there were some small differences, but on, but on the whole, the overall patterns of higher earnings, higher college going, depending on, again, the cluster, uh, th those held regardless of, of setting. So it's not a tale of two CTE routes. No, I think that that's right. It, it, it's it's quite reaffirming that that both routes were uh, providing similar outcomes based on our analyses. Well, I'm curious. Oftentimes, we break things out by different student demographic groups. Perhaps some groups benefit more from CTE than others. What did you find when you looked at variations, perhaps by gender, race, uh, or test scores? Yeah, absolutely. So we so we looked at this for, for different student groups to see how those outcomes differed. And um, one of the, I think the, the most striking differences was when we looked at employment and earnings outcomes for students who didn't attend college, um, which is a, a, a group of students that might be quite vulnerable early in their adulthood in, in the workforce. We, we found really, really positive returns in terms of employment and earnings for those students. Um, so seven years after high school, 
for students who don't attend college, the CTE students uh, were earning about $6,000 a year more than otherwise similar uh, non-CTE students who also didn't go to college. So uh, that was something that, that we found to be really interesting, you can imagine, for students who um, who really might have not as much to fall back on if they're not attending college. Um, this is something that was really setting them up uh, in a pretty strong way to start with. We, we also looked at an outcome called whether students were neither employed nor in any kind of an education or training. So students who were uh, essentially disengaged from the workforce. Um, and for students who didn't go to college, CTE really alleviated their possibility of being in that totally disengaged category. Uh, and so again, this sort of stopgap for students who, um, who we might worry about the most having really negative outcomes early in their career. One other finding that I think was notable in terms of, of how different student groups uh, responded was the male-female divide. Uh, so uh, in terms of earnings, uh, males had over twice as much of a positive benefit uh, from CTE uh, than female students uh, did. So this is something that we've seen in a number of different studies that a lot of folks have seen throughout the career and technical education space. So I do think that there is something interesting where, where men seem to be benefiting more um, it, than women in some ways. And some of that might be a function of which, uh, which career clusters they're entering into. So in particular, some of the most high return fields were things like construction uh, and were things like transportation that really led to early career benefits uh, in terms of earnings. So uh, those were very, very male dominated fields, whereas early childhood education uh, it was one of the lowest return fields and is, is very, very highly female dominated as well. So there's something about where, uh, where students of different genders are entering into that's leading to them to have some differential returns too. Now, these CTE programs, of course, are not randomly assigned. Students have to decide to do them. And it, it sounds like there's a lot of benefits for a lot of these programs for a lot of students. How should folks that are running schools, uh, policymakers, just think about this selection effect and not just the selection effect in, in terms of how it might influence the research results, but maybe how we might want to encourage students to select CTE clusters and uh, to try and graduate with that preparation for the workforce. Sean? So, so I would say one, one of the dimensions in which CTE in Massachusetts is most rich is in the variety of offerings. And, and, and so I would say the key to, to ensuring that students have good preparation and training is to make sure that there's a, a variety of, of options for students. We, we know from prior research related to CTE that you know th there can be a tendency to, to create negative tracks into lower wage, uh, low, lower educational requirement fields um, based on students' ba background, observable characteristics in ways that are not desirable. But one way to get around that is, it potentially is to offer a lot of variety in programs that are intentionally aligned with workforce needs, and, and then to create meaningful partnerships between local colleges and employers to, to, to make sure that the programs remain relevant and that students really get to explore a range of possibilities uh, to, to think about what they might want to do uh, to, to prepare for the workforce. Um, now, offering a, a, a you know, rich variety of options is one dimension. The other is giving people the information they need to make informed choices and, and to make sure folks know 
you know, what what might lead to different co college pathways, what might what could lead to, to stackable credentials. So a, a, a certificate and then a two-year degree and then a pathway into a four-year degree in, in ways that give students, you know, a more dynamic and realistic sense of the way uh, you know, education and the workforce, you know, interact with one another um, so that they can make it informed choices. Um, and, and, and so, uh, you know, making sure that people don't feel like they're getting pushed in, in really like strict or tracked ways, but, but ensuring that they have good information and a variety of choices ought to create the conditions that, that allow people to, to find the right, the, the right way for them, for, for themselves, or, or uh, to, certainly to make more informed choices. So these results are interesting and, and compelling and, and encouraging, right? That's a, that's a pretty good uh, triplet of descriptors. Uh, but of course, any study has its limitations. There's more things we need to know, and we don't want to push it too far. So before folks run out and, and ring the CTE bells with abandon, uh, what should they be careful about concluding from this? And what do you guys want to know more about uh, these same patterns of findings uh, across a broader landscape of CTE programs. Well, yeah. So one of the things that 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 I'm really interested in and and want to know more about is is quality within CTE programs. Um, so you can imagine that there might be on, on on whole we don't find these huge effects for early childhood education, but you can imagine that there might be some really, really great early childhood education programs, and there might be some really great early childhood education uh, teachers out there, and potentially some, some, some really not as great ones as well. And it's something that I think that we want to know a lot more about is what does make a great program? If you're a school leader or a district leader, how can you, um, how can you really evaluate what is a great program? So I think, you know, it might not necessarily be test scores. Uh, a, a lot of states have been investing in um, in putting out assessments to kind of align with how they do math assessments and science and ELA assessments. Uh, but is that necessarily the best way to measure uh, to measure outcomes in CTE? You know, I don't know. And I don't think that we have, have great answers for that yet. But I think that's something that we need to think about more. Um, one, one other thing that um, that I've been thinking a lot about since this paper and just looking at these results, uh, given that we find some of the most sort of promising outcomes for students who, um, who we might otherwise be worried about. So students who aren't attending college, students who have uh, lower test scores um, when, when they're in, in school. As the, the federal government and as states are really pushing more towards these high rigor and high quality programs, more STEM focused programs, Something that I want to make sure that we don't do is we don't uh, we don't push students out who maybe stand to benefit the most uh, from CTE. So there's I think anecdotally there's been stories of of CTE programs that have been viewed to be very high rigor and very high quality, um, and because of that, uh, then become very attractive to uh, to all sorts of families and all sorts of parents, and then that pushes students out who might stand to benefit from some of these programs. So uh, that's something that I would. Uh, really encourage anyone who's thinking about or, or working with CT programs to think about, you know, making sure that we really are allowing a wide range of students to benefit from these programs and then also thinking more discreetly about quality. Um, so, yeah, those are two things that, that, that I would throw out there. I'm, I'm sure Sean has more, though. So two, two things I'll add. Uh, one, one is that when you look at college enrollment uh, and the differences across clusters, you see big differences uh, in particular for skilled trades and, and transportation. I just want to like hi highlight that we're using college enrollment 
as our post-secondary tra training metric. Um, but you know, apprenticeships are quite common in the skilled trades and, and, and auto technology and, and in, in ways that we wouldn't pick up in the data. And, and so I, I, you know, just to make sure to, to Walt's point, to not overemphasize pathways that that lead to direct enrollment in, 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 in college, two or four-year college, because post-secondary education and training is much, much more varied and there are articulated pathways ac across programs of study um, that are specific to those programs and, and should be should be valued in the process. Um, and and the, sec the second is, I'll just reemphasize Walt's point about quality. I, I would say that I would attribute the patterns of results we find in Massachusetts to be likely linked to, to the sets of requirements that, that schools have to have in place in order to, to get state approval for those programs. Uh, they, they are a much higher standard than the sort of minimal federal requirements, which is not to say that the federal requirements are, are reasonable and valid, but, but I think ha having that higher standard helps ensure a degree of quality that, that is likely linked to, to the student outcomes we, we observe. So uh, that's certainly an area that needs more interrogation. Another area that requires a, a closer look and, and where districts and, and states have been expanding pretty rapidly in the absence of, of evidence is thinking about industry recognized credentials or, or, or certifications students can pass in, in those programs of study. Um, some of them, are undoubtedly highly valued by employers and or required to get the job that a student would want after high school. Others we have almost no information about. And so I think you know one, one caveat uh, for, the, for the future of policy is to think about proceeding with some, some, some caution in how, how focused we get on, on those assessments uh, straight away before we have you know, evidence of the, you know, how, how they work out for students. So one question I could imagine some listeners asking is, yeah, but what's the secret sauce in CTE? So I could imagine on the one hand that you go through these CTE pathways and you learn particular skills in auto repair or to prepare you for a healthcare degree. And so you go directly into a series of jobs that are higher paying or directly into a community college program that will fit there. Alternatively, it seems like you could say, well, students who concentrate in a career path take their careers more seriously getting out of school, and therefore they pursue more lucrative careers or are more determined to go to college. So my question is, which is it, Sean? Uh, and the answer is undoubtedly yes. Uh, you know, I, I think I think the re the, rea the reality is that both both are are, are true, and, and it's hard to disentangle for any particular individual which which it is or or which you know do dominates. I, I'd say it's important for folks who aren't sure maybe what they want to do or are sure what they want to do, and this creates a a, a real instrumental way for them to pursue that for that option to be on the table. But you know, most of us, when we were 14, and certainly this is what I observed as a teacher and administrator, now as a researcher, is most of us have no idea what it is we, we want to do. We just want school to be engaging and connected to the rest of the world in, in ways that create some relevance. And, and so I would say that the, the most important element is whether students are pursuing a particular pathway and, that, and this helps get them there in, in terms of CTE, or whether it helps school feel more connected, for, more meaningful, it, it, it's not important which, which of those it dominates. What's important is that both can be possible uh, and, and lead to better outcomes, more informed, uh, more engaging outcomes regardless. 
Walt, your take on that question? Yeah, I, I agree with everything Sean said. And I'll, I'll just add two things. I think one, uh, one real value of CTE also can be meeting teachers and meeting people who have been out in the real world in different professions. I think that that can be useful to give students a sense of what their might, life might look like if they took different paths and what different jobs might be like. I think also it can be very helpful in a very tangible sense uh, where if your teacher used to work at a particular employer, they might still know people there and might be willing to introduce you to that. So I think that that's something that we've definitely seen in, in, in a lot of research uh, with CT is that there, there seems to be this real valuable uh, connection uh, factor, factor that, that, uh, that teachers can have if they have that, that real world experience. The, the other thing that I would add is maybe to flip your question on its head a little bit, I think in, in broader education, so outside of just CTE, uh, we, we talk a lot about project-based learning. We talk a lot about how to connect the real world to what students are learning in the classroom. And I, I think kind of think of CTE as, as a really just great example of that for, for everyone, for teachers that are teaching math or ELA. You can imagine that learning, uh, learning trigonometry through thinking about architecture is a more engaging way, perhaps, to do that and to learn it through having worksheets in front of you. Um, so, I, you know, I think that there's, uh, there's something that I think that, that high school in particular uh, can really learn from CT more broadly. And I think something where uh, you can imagine that, that, that maybe bringing a lot of these real world connections and relevance into uh, our broader instruction can be really valuable for students. So thank you both. This is a, a great paper. We'll definitely link to it in the show notes so listeners can look at it. Before I let you go, though, uh, I, I'd like to ask one final question. If, if you had a chance to give policymakers maybe an, a set of action items or a list of things to, to do or consider in light of your findings, what would you say to them? Walt? Yeah, so the first thing that I would say is, is, is I think that, that having this data aggregated for specific student populations and for specific career clusters, I think can be really, really valuable for policymakers in a local area to really understand what's working and what's not working. And I think that the, the type of data that we have here, I think could be useful for, for more, more folks to have. Uh, so I think what I would encourage uh, for state, district, local policymakers to have um, is, is to really do a, an assessment of not just like is CTE valuable or not uh, for our students, but really what are the different programs that we have and how is it setting students up in different pathways? Even if you don't have administrative data, really going through the process of talking to teachers and instructors and guidance counselors and students and to really get a sense of, do we have programs at our school that people view to be successful in setting students uh, up in a positive direction? Uh, or, or do we not? Do we have some programs that have been around for a long time and people don't really see the value in them? And I think that there's, there's been some hard conversations that, that schools and districts and states should have. Uh, so that, that, that's one thing that I would say, just being really intentional about thinking about the difference uh, in these different programs. Um, and then the other thing that, that I would think about is, is, is quality. Again, just, I think that's something that, that we need more research on, uh, both at the federal and the state level, uh, really understanding well, what are the indicators that we would put in place? You know, if there were to be a next version of the Perkins uh, Act that really th thought about what does quality mean? How are we evaluating high quality CT? Um, that's something that I would that I would like to see more emphasis on. Really, what, what what does quality mean, and how are we setting students up for success? Sean, any points to add to that list? So, uh, just 
two, I'll say one is create policies that facilitate or, or encourage partnerships between employers, uh, colleges, and, and high school programs, that me meaningful engagement with employers and employers having a, a real connection to investment in uh, educational pathways is critical to students getting the sort of exposure and experiences they need to, to make a, a meaningful um, set, of, set, of, set of experiences and transition into early adulthood. Um, and, and the second is, it's hard to staff teachers in, in, in areas that are in high demand in the private sector. So if you're in a bigger city, IT and healthcare are huge parts of the economy. It's really hard to get those folks in the classroom. And, and, and so think about whether or not your teacher certification policies, pathways into those professions in particular um, also applies to skilled trades and, and welding. If you, if you want to offer programs, you need teachers, you want teachers who have experience, you need to create pathways to get those folks out, out of the workforce, the private workforce, and into your classroom. Uh, and, and so you need to revisit some of those certification policies to make that happen. Walt Acton, Sean Doherty, thanks for coming on the report card to tell us about your work. Thanks very much for having us. This is great. Thanks, Nat. Thanks for listening to the report card with Nat Malkus. And special thanks to our guests, Walt Ecton and Sean Doherty. We'll include a link to Walt and Sean's recent research in the show notes. Of course, I'd like to thank our producer, Wesley Armstrong. He makes this podcast possible. You can subscribe to The Report Card on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. While you're there, take a minute and leave us a review so other people can find the show. As always, send comments, questions, or topic suggestions to us at ed.podcast at aei.org. That's all for this episode. I'm Nat Mountain.